Welcome to Opening the Door Podcast. Join me as we unlock the door to our psychic and mediumship abilities. Today we have an interview with the Punk Priestess. We talk all tarot, astrology, Saturn return. So get buckled up and let's hop into the episode. Welcome to Opening the Door Podcast. Today I have an interview for you with Majori. Majori is a cre- the creative force behind her business, The Punk Priestess. She is a tarot reader, astrologer, Reiki practitioner, fashion designer, podcaster, and crystal enthusiast. Majori is an intuitive creator who inspires to provide insight and knowledge to help tarot readers and astrologers cultivate their own unique magic to empower their lives. So welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I just have to say, I love your name, the punk priestess. I think it's fantastic. I it's, it has such great sort of like emotion and it just has such a great vibe. So I love that name. Thank you so much. (laughs) So let's jump into it. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? How did you come to work with tarot, astrology, and what sort of set you on this path? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my journey with tarot actually began with astrology first. And when I was younger, I was like always searching for something that connected with my intuition. And when I was 12 years old, I was reading a magazine. The magazine's called J through 14. It was like a teen magazine. Um, if you're like a millennial, you probably know, but I was just like reading the horoscopes and found out that I was an Aries. And from there, it just really sparked my interest and a lot of things in my life started making sense with my intuition, understanding different people's personalities. And then almost a decade later, when I was in my early twenties, I came across tarot. Um, I knew about tarot through passing, but really having an interest to actually start learning and reading tarot and incorporating it in my work started when I was like 21 years old. So it's been almost a decade now with tarot and now I get to combine both of them and it's really cool. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a little bit of my story. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. So do you have a favorite tarot deck that you work with? I do. So my favorite tarot deck, it's called Spoilia Tarot. It's no longer in print, but it's created by Jessica Crispin, who's an incredible writer. She also um, authored my favorite tarot book called The Creative Tarot. And Jen May is the artist of Spoilia Tarot. And it is the tarot deck that has pretty much transformed my life. It also has the astrology signs included with the tarot deck. So um, yeah, it's just my favorite deck. And from then on, really connecting with it just kind of shaped my path as well as my business. Yeah, I got my first tarot deck um, probably around this time last year. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was sort of one of the first things that I did. I had started learning about, you know, psychic mediumship and this whole world of energy work and tarot and all of that. And I, it was sort of one of the, other than like listening to podcasts and learning through podcasting and considering classes and stuff, it was sort of one of the first things I did that was like, I'm going to buy this deck and see if I, you know, it helps me with my Mm -hmm. intuition and all of that. So it's a, I think it's also like a really cool first tool to sort of dip your toe into and, and learn a little bit more about yourself and, and tarot itself. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's also really good too, for 
it can help with mediumship because like I have some friends who are mediums and it's just kind of like another tool to use to navigate the energy. It's also great for creative work. So like a lot of writers for like TV shows or um, writers who are like writing books, they also use tarot to kind of help guide their storyline. So, I mean, it's just a a tool that can be used for kind of anything and it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that people use it in that way, but that's really, really cool. And mm-hmm. yeah, I find it helpful to use tarot when I'm reading for somebody who's um, like that I'm pretty close with. It sort of, I feel like it helps sort of confirm what I'm receiving. And because when you're close with somebody and you're reading them, it's like sometimes you, like you want the answer to be positive or you want the answer mm-hmm. to be, you know, ha- good for them or what you know, so I think that using tarot when you're reading somebody close to you is a way to confirm what you're receiving mm-hmm. from spirit in a way and um, just sort of help guide the reading so that you're not sort of plugging too far into the ego or anything, just kind of letting it step back and let spirit speak through the cards and then through yourself as well. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. So do you have a favorite um, spread, a favorite tarot spread that you use for yourself or for um, clients when people come to you? Yeah. So I actually create my own tarot spreads and I'm in the process of writing a tarot spread book right now. So, um, hopefully like by next year, (laughs) they'll be out there, but, um, I have a spread that I created. That's a really good general spread because I don't like the Celtic cross. I don't like a lot of the old, like kind of boomer, like generation (laughs) type of spreads. So, um, that was kind of something like when I started reading tarot early on, I saw that there was a need for like more diverse, modern, witchy, millennial, Gen Z type spread. So I had this really good general spread that I created um, that I use for clients as well as myself. So it's a good spread that um, pinpoints like all the elements as well as um, getting a little bit deeper into what's in alignment with your life and what is out of alignment and kind of navigating a path to like how you can bridge that to success. Cool. What are some of the things that you do, um, to prepare for a reading with a client? So the first thing I do is really make sure the space is really cleansed very well. Um, so that's like my decks, like running them through like Florida water, like on my hands and shuffling them that way to kind of cleanse the energy. Um, I have smudge spray that I use as well as like Palo Santo. Um, I just, make sure the space is like the energy is right. Um, and then I always have crystals by me all the time. (laughs) Like my desk is loaded with crystals. So, and and sometimes it's interesting, like before I read a client, because I like to know as little as possible, unless they have like something specific they want to work through, or it's like a return client. And I kind of have an idea, but sometimes like I'll just be intuitively drawn to call certain crystals on to like the altar when I'm reading and like, sure enough, like they're picking up on things that they want towards like the meaning of those crystals. So it's, it's an interesting connection when your tools just like start intertwining with someone's intuition before you start reading them. Oh yeah. That is really cool. Do you have a few cards that you love or that you resonate with the most? Mm -hmm. So my favorite card is the queen of wands. And that's to me, like embodies Aries energy. So it's probably like for myself too. Like, I love that, that energy, but yeah, when I see the queen of wands comes through for myself or for clients, I'm like, okay, you know, they're feeling within their power, their souls aligned. And it's just to me, like one of the most positive, uh, tarot cards in the deck. Um, I also love to see the empress, when she comes through, I think that's a very abundant, lucky card. Um, and 
I really like the death card. That's also one of my favorites because it's like, it, even though it's death, it's like that transformation, rebirth, birth, like after that death process. But death is so important in our lives, like when something ends and we're part of that ending. And it's hard, it's difficult. There's a lot of grief with that ending and with that loss, but there's such a beautiful chapter that gets illuminated after that ending process. So of course, sometimes with new clients who are also like new to tarot, they're like, oh my gosh, like the deaf card, you know, it's over. But it's like, actually, no, <laughs> it's yeah. okay. It's okay. The deaf card is actually, it's really good. So <laughs> yeah, I love the death card also. I, I, maybe it's because I'm a Sagittarius, but I like the thought of new things or like new adventures. And mm -hmm. yeah, to me, the death card sort of represents like something is ending, which means there will be something new beginning. I just want to get back to how, so how did you create your own spread? Like for anybody out there who's not really resonating with some of the spreads that they might've found online or YouTube mm -hmm. or something like that, how did you go about um, like creating your own spread that you found worked for you. Yeah. So, um, I was just kind of looking for insight on what I was feeling and going through, and I couldn't find anything that mirrored that. And my journey began with creating spreads like back in 2014, 15. So like that was really before this emergence of the witch wave on social media and like Instagram didn't really go through a witchy phase until like kind of 2020. So like, mm -hmm. I was still like, you know, kind of like six years before that. So I didn't have a lot of resources and I wasn't liking anything that I found. So I was like, okay, I'm going through, let's say heartbreak. I need to just like write down some questions and of like, you know, what I'm thinking, what I would like answers on personally. And that kind of started navigating a spread for me. And since I have a design background, I am able to create my own artwork through Photoshop and Illustrator. So that has been also a great way to kind of visualize the spread. So I kind of know like where to put the cards as well as having those questions I intuitively was seeking answers to. And that has created the spread. Do you think that you'll ever create your own deck since you have a sort of a design background? Um, I have definitely thought about it. It's not the right timing right now. I think if I'm going to create a deck, it would be an Oracle deck first. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that's definitely for sure. Hopefully in the next couple of years, I can, I can do that. But first it's like, I want to get the books out there and then take that artistic journey. But yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't have an Oracle deck, but I see them a lot on Instagram and I, they're, um, they just seem really fun. I feel like I might have to just pick one up because mm -hmm. they're gorgeous and they're like, I, you know, I like the sort of, um, and this is something I like about tarot too, is like, you're just sort of thinking of the question or the thing, the challenge that you have or something like that. And you're just sort of allowing the, the medium, like the cards to work, you know, in, mm -hmm. in tandem with you, but there's like sort of a, a really nice letting go. It's like this, the answer will come. Yes. What I like about the cards. Mm -hmm. Um, so if somebody has a reading with you or, you know, with a tarot practitioner in general, what, what should they expect? Should they come with a question? Um, do you do general readings as well? Yeah. So I always ask them if they've had a tarot reading before, um, because some have, some haven't. So it's always just good to know. And then I also, I have a lot of clients who also read tarot and have their own tarot businesses. So it's kind of like, you got to be kind of prepared to read for anyone. And sometimes it's nice when someone also has that tarot background because you kind of can really start making that effortless connection. And they kind of already have that 
um, knowledge, but I always ask um, if they had a reading, what they're looking for. And sometimes if they don't have a specific question or they need insight on anything, we'll just kind of see what comes through. But usually they do resonate and pick up with the reading as well. Um, and then I always ask what their zodiac sign is because once you kind of know the sign, it's like for me, since I'm an astrologer, I can see like, oh, okay, they're probably going through this type of transit or, you know, they're Leo and it's Leo season, their birthday is coming up. So it's like, you can make, you know, those connections. And then of course, having that astrology background using tarot, connecting it, like weaving the astrology with the tarot effortlessly kind of helps when you do know their zodiac sign. Cool. Well, that is a great transition into astrology. Let's talk a little bit more about that, about your journey with that, how you, and I know you sort of mentioned in the beginning, how you came to understand yourself and then sort of the, the signs followed other signs and learning about that followed afterwards. So, so what is the astrological way that way of thought that you follow? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know there's, you know, some different ones out there. Yeah. There's a lot of systems. Yeah. So I'm a tropical astrologer. So that's just kind of like the more um, popular version when it comes to like, I guess on like in America. Um, so the platus system is what I use. And, um, I also, I do read whole sign. Like if a client suggests, I have a couple of clients who want whole sign astrology. I don't do that personally for myself, but it is an easier system that I will incorporate if a client wants that type of, um, astrology, uh, astrology system. Um, but yeah, I'm really heavy into transits. So I combine pretty much three charts. So we'll look at your birth chart. We'll look at where your transits, where the planets are moving. And then we'll also look at what is currently going on with the collective astrology. So I'm always like weaving through, and even for myself, weaving through three different charts simultaneously. When I do a set and return reading, which are very popular for my clients, I am sometimes working with like six or like seven different charts based off of like, if there's a retrograde for Saturn, when is the return like at a direct degree? So it can get more complicated, like towards different readings. Of course, if I'm also doing synastry readings, you're combining multiple charts with someone and it's like relationship based. So yeah, um, I guess that kind of, does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I, so what is, you just said it, but what is a synastry reading? I've never heard of that. Yeah. So synastry, um, this is when you're looking for, um, similarities or maybe it's opposites of, um, a romantic connection, or it can be, let's say you have a boss, you want to see if your charts are compatible with, or if they're not, or if there's like a friendship or family member. So it's just pretty much the combination of two charts also called composite charts as well. So, um, it's really important if you are doing a relationship astrology reading to do a synastry chart. So cool. Cool. Yeah. I haven't heard of that. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, you mentioned a Saturn return and I would love to get into that because I, I think I heard about it on a podcast at some point in like the last year or something. I'm 28. I feel like that's when people say your Saturn return happens, but I think it can sort of depend on when you were born and stuff like that. But, um, Mm -hmm. And when I first heard Saturn return and sort of the description of what it was, I was like, whoa. And I I almost couldn't wrap my head around it because I had so many questions about it. So um, for everybody listening, do you want to describe what the Saturn return is, when it happens and sort of uh, let's dig into that a little bit. 
Yes, definitely. Um, this is a great conversation because I'm currently going through my Saturn return. So I'm really well versed <laughs> in this experience. <laughs> so the Saturn return is when Saturn comes back to um, its needle place in your, your chart. So it happens depending on um, the degree and like the time you were born. Um, it can happen between 20, age 27 to 30 sometimes 31, but it's mostly it ends at 30. It just depends on like the degree and where it's traveling in your chart. So 28 is like the average age where it starts, but you have to look at your chart. I, I'm sure yours is in Pisces, which is next. So yours isn't probably going to officially start until your, um, until March of next year. So good to know. <laughs> yeah. So you have some time, but currently um, Saturn is retrograde until October. So it's hitting the degree, uh, it's hitting the house of your Saturn return. So you are kind of feeling it a little bit, but it hasn't intensely uh, come over. But um, pretty much the Saturn return is the most difficult period you will ever have in your life. And I'm telling you, like a reckoning of self. And like before my Saturn return, of course, you know, I've, I've known about this for years. I've studied it. I've had friends who were older, go through their experience, telling me how it was. And I was like, oh, that's not going to be bad. It's not, it's, you know, I'm a positive person. It's going to be totally fine. I've been through change and transition in my life, but no, let me tell you like year 29 will be like the most hardest year of your life. It's well, it's, it's going to be the hardest year of your life, but it's going to also simultaneously be the best year of your life. But, um, you will go through immense transformation of self. It's kind of like an existential crisis. You're going to have like a thousand existential crises in like two and a half years. Um, but it kind of aligns your soul to its purpose and its destiny. And you're, you have three, if you're lucky, Saturn returns in your life because it happens every like 27, 30 years. So the next one will come after 30. It will be your late 50s to 60. And then the last one will be um, the late 80s to 90s. So it takes some time, um, but usually you can like look at people's lives like by the time they're 29, 30, usually they're getting married. Usually they're having kids or they might go through some crazy life changes and have a new career. Or um, in my case, I was living in New York City for almost a decade, left a career, left the city, moved back home, took my business full force, got into a new line of work. So it's like, that's kind of how the return can work. But through that transformation, it was really hard for me to like, and a part of my life I built for 28 years, 29 yeah. years, you know? Yeah. So, um, but the thing is with the Saturn return, it's like, you have to work with Saturn because Saturn is the planet of karma. So if you don't listen to Saturn, if you like avoid the return and the growth and the difficulty, you're going to have the repercussions when you go through your Saturn square in your mid to late thirties. So you'll kind of will start seeing people in crisis who are in the middle of their thirties because they didn't take, or sometimes it can even happen like 34, like right before the middle of the thirties, because they didn't, um, listen to their Saturn return. Maybe they should have ma never married that person. Maybe they should have, you know, left that industry to do something else, but they didn't because the challenge was so hard and they wanted to avoid it and bypass it. They'll figure it out or get the, the backlash in mid thirties. Wow. to 40s. Um, so like, yes, despite, yes, the Saturn return being so difficult, painful, like you will cry, like you will have breakdowns. 
Um, I've honestly never been better than ever. <laughs> like it's yeah. still hard because I'm still yeah. going through it for like another seven more months because it ends. Um, the center return will go into Pisces. Like, so mine will end starting, um, on March 7th of next year, I'll switch signs, but, um, yeah, like it's, it's been hard, but it's also been really good. And another thing to really pay attention to, it's like, yes, you know, you have your Saturn return with like the people in like those, uh, with like that sign. So for example, like the Saturn and Aquarius generation, but you have to look at your birth chart to see what house Saturn falls into. So the houses are like, um, the homes that the Zodiac signs live in. So you have to see, okay, yes, I have my Saturn return happening in Aquarius, like everyone else, but mine is in, for example, mine personally is in the fifth house of true love and romance and creative self-expression. So throughout the two and a half years, you're going to go through like every single attribute in that house, that Zodiac house. And, um, so it gets like a lot more detailed and complicated, but it's not like everyone's going to be going through the same set and return experience. It's going to be individualized towards your, um, natal chart. Gotcha. Cool. So, um, lean into it is what I'm hearing. It's going to suck, but lean into it, you know, allow the change to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. When I had first heard about it, it was like, like, I feel like the way I heard about it was like, karma's going to come and get you. Like everything that you ever did is coming back full force. Like if you were good, it's going to be great. If you were like, quote unquote bad, it's going to be the worst. Like, is there any truth in that? Or is it just a little bit more like there's like, I love the words you use, like a reckoning with self, like a self-reckoning. I think that's mm-hmm. such a great way. Cause like, obviously we've, nobody is like, done everything perfect in their whole life or everything terrible in their whole life. Um, so yeah, is there a lot of truth to that or is it more, um, there's a mix of sort of the great things that can happen and and like massive change. Yeah, that's a mix because no one's perfect. And what's really interesting. And like, I, I see this now because I have a lot of friends who are like 27, 28, and um, who are about to go into their Saturn return. And, and I remember when I was 27, and beginning of uh, 28 before my return started, I was like, I know who I am. I'm so confident. I've never been better. Like I totally, like I have life all figured out. And then the Saturn return happens and it's like, boom, no, you don't. You're starting from scratch. You don't, yeah. know who, you don't know who you are. And that's why I always tell people like, before you make huge life decisions, um, like when you're 27, 28, um, wait until your Saturn return is over when you're 30, because, and like, that's what I say. If a lot of marriages, like wait till you're, you're 30 or 31 to get married, because you're going to most likely like 80% of like those divorces are from those Saturn return marriages. Oh, wow. You, so you, because you change so much. And I see, I've, I read a lot of divorce like clients and mostly it is like in the thirties, but it's like that return. Um, they didn't listen to that return, but it's like, you know, you change so much. Cause like the person you think, you know, who you are at like 27, 28, you're not going to be the same person, um, or want the same things by the time you're 29, 30. Yeah. It's not saying like, everything's going to change. Like the things that are meant to be on your path will stay consistent. So yes, if it's that person that's meant to be in your path, it'll survive the set and return. But if it's a career that's not supposed to survive, it'll go out the way. Or if there's like, you know, if let's say you do read tarot, like that will probably survive the Saturn return. That's not going to end, you know, but, um, the, 
things like mostly like location or those relationships or friendships or the career aspirations you thought you wanted that 10 year plan you thought you wanted for your thirties, that vision is like most likely thrown out the window. Um, and then of course, like I can't speak, uh, personally for the second Saturn return, but I've been seeing it a lot with a lot of my clients who are in their later fifties, like 60, 61. Um, they go through a lot of like deaths. So this is like family dying. This is, um, like their parents, or it could be like their spouses dying, um, as well as, um, having grandchildren, but a lot of them go through like retirement at that age. So it's like the second, like, like the ending of like those 30 years. And now we're like starting a new cycle. So it's pretty much like a lot of the things you were working through, you'll end by the time you're 30 and begin new things, but no one is, uh, going to have a better experience more so than someone else because their karma is intact. Like, right. You know, like, (laughs) yeah. Like in the, if in their mind, it could be their ego. Oh yeah. I have it together. My karma's intact, but I could look at that person and be like, your karma's not intact, you know? So it's kind of like, yeah, it's, no one's going to be uh, unscathed from the return. It's going yeah. to come for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything people can do to prepare for their Saturn return? Yeah. So I always suggest like getting an astrology reading before the return and then um, like during it, because the return every single year would change. So it's going to kind of be good to like, see, oh, like this return year, I'm going to be mostly going through these themes and and these insights. But I feel like, yeah, just really getting a good insight on the astrology, like a good leg up. And then um, really just, yeah, like really just accept all the emotions that come through. It's just like an acceptance. Even when you're like, I feel horrible, I'm depressed because you will feel depressed. Like, you know, when you're crying, like let the tears fall, let yourself feel all those emotions because those emotions are like telling you something like you can't numb them out. If you numb them out with like drugs or, um, if you numb them out with like unhealthy coping mechanisms or distraction mechanisms, like TV and stuff like that, you're just going to delay that growth process. And then it's going to, you know, you can delay it for years and then it'll hit, but then your whole world's going to shatter eventually. So Um, yeah, just holding out space and just, you know, when those energies, emotions come, like honor them, feel them out because they're trying to tell you something. And I think crystal therapy is great. Like have some crystals by you all the time. Um, you know, consult your tarot deck, talk to people, like don't keep everything in, even if you feel like people aren't going to understand what you're going through, they might, but at least you're kind of getting like all those thoughts, those spiraling thoughts out and like, you know, write them down, like listen to music, scream into a pillow. Like, (laughs) yeah, you know, it's like, get out the energy. Yeah. Yeah. So do you do specific Saturn return readings or is that something that just comes up with a, with a regular reading that you would do? So I do, um, Saturn return readings for astrology. So I have, um, astrology services for the return. And then I also, if you want like a tarot reading in combination with that reading with the astrology, we can do that. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I have like a lot of offerings for the support of this transition. And it's really interesting because other cultures, um, throughout time, throughout history, they know that 29 is like a reckoning in your life and they'll create space for that community or those people going through their Saturn return to, you know, find themselves. Whereas unfortunately, like in capitalistic society, we have to keep working. We have to keep powering through. And 
it can make things harder. So I feel like if you can just try to have um, a way of mindfulness of like, I'm going through this and having good boundaries, honoring your feelings, despite what external circumstances are around you, like that can kind of make it easier. Absolutely. It does make it hard to, to stop and breathe, right? When you're like running on the capitalist treadmill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what about upcoming astrological, the upcoming astrological forecast for fall, winter 2022 as we're in August now, this episode mm-hmm. will probably air toward the end of August, I'm assuming, or like, you know, week three or four. So mm-hmm. what are, what are we looking at for some trends for uh, fall, winter 2022? Yeah. So one of the biggest ones that I've been watching is, um, Mars going into Gemini. So Mars is going to be going into Gemini on August 20th and it's going to be in Gemini for eight months. So this is interesting because Mars never stays like eight months in a sign, but um, since it's going retrograde in October, it's going to um, kind of delay its time in Gemini. So I love Gemini energy, but it's also, it's a kind of like a topsy-turvy duality, like hit or miss. So I think it's going to be really good, but once Mars goes retrograde in Gemini on October 30th and it'll leave in January, um, it's going to be a difficult time when it comes to communication or technology um, or just trying to get your ideas and like points off to other people because Gemini is the connector, it's the collaborator. So it's kind of watching your friend groups, watching your group settings and relationships of siblings at that time. And I also, um, I'm looking at the eclipses that are happening. So we have in October, we have a new moon solar eclipse in Scorpio, and then we have the full moon lunar eclipse in Taurus on November 8th. So I always like to look for eclipses because it's an area of, of our of our life during the year where it's really, really intense and powerful. And Taurus and Scorpio, they're like money signs. So kind of watching our money, I am anticipating a recession. I thought it was going to be announced already, but hopefully maybe yeah. this month, like it's totally um, happening. <laughs> it's, it's happening. It's just like, I feel like it's already present. It's just like publicly there's, they don't want to like scare us or something, but it's, it's here already. Um, yeah. so it's interesting with, uh, these eclipses because the North node right now is in Taurus. And that's kind of like where we're going. And the South node is in Scorpio, which is our past. So we are in this kind of duality of like releasing and letting things go and opening up ourselves to more self-sufficiency and freedom that we no longer have those things kind of attached to us. So it'll be interesting to kind of see like by end of October, November with this Mars retrograde energy, like what we're letting go of, maybe it's friendships, maybe it's you know, like projects we're working on or just things that are not working out, we just are going to be like, you know what? It's been a push and a push. It's not happening. I got to move forward with my life. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see that um, the astrology is for the rest of the year. It's pretty intense. I think August is going to be astrologically the most difficult month because there's just a lot of squares going on um, with the the new, the nodes in the moon also with Leo, like Leo and the moon are not very happy right now. And then we have Saturn in Aquarius. That's also squaring things. So there's a lot of friction kind of, and we kind of, I think this entire year year have felt like we 
have been going through like a long, like delayed process. And then we have a couple like small wins and then we're back to this like long haul of a delay. And um, next year is gonna be better for more forward movement because Jupiter will be in Aries for the majority of the year. So Jupiter is currently in Aries um, and then it's gonna go back into Pisces in, the, in October. But um, by next year, it's gonna be more of like an Aries year and it's gonna feel better for us to actually be like, okay, I'm aggressively moving forward and going after what I want. And um, you know, we'll think about it later. We're just gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, so, cool. Yeah, I love, we love that Aries yeah, energy, right? <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, I mean, the, the astrology this fall, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of murky. It's, it's neutral, but I think this whole year has just been kind of a murky astrological year. It hasn't been that great personally. Um, but you know, through things not being, I mean, it's never going to be like, Oh my God, it's amazing. There's always going to be challenge, but you kind of have to learn through those setbacks and challenges. And Taurus is like, yeah, I'm going to push you and mold you through some of these challenges. And you're going to have to learn to let things go and let new things in. Cool. That's a great message for me sitting here and also our listeners. So thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about the business for a minute. Um, what are some current projects you have on the horizon? And I would also love to know, um, you know, how did you decide to go for this as a business and what are some of the things that you do to, um, collect new clients and, and stuff like that. How, how do you sort of get your name out there? So, um, what I kind of have going on in the horizon is just, I'm like open for readings right now. I'm just mostly kind of focusing on that. Um, I did release a spell candle collection a couple of weeks ago. So I, a couple of times a year, I have spell candle collections. I source vintage and I pour candles into these like vintage glassware trinkets. Cool. Um, so I have a couple of those left and maybe I'll do a Florida water. I usually every year or twice a year, I do like a hand brewed, um, Florida, uh, collection, Florida water collection. So I might do that, but yeah, kind of right now I'm just like focusing on readings. If you want a reading, um, and I started my business, like ever since I got my first deck almost a decade ago, I, um, was just reading people like right off the bat. So that slowly evolved into my business, the punk priestess that I have today. And, um, yeah, pretty much just like my incentive is to just help people connect with their selves, connect with their path and, um, not be afraid to figure who out who they are. And, um, yeah, I guess like in order to like get clients and kind of grow my business, social media is, is pretty big for me. Um, but I also try to be mindful as to not spend so much time on social media because I'm not getting paid to be on Instagram. <laughs> totally. Yes. So, that's a great reminder. <laughs> so, and it's really such like a time suck, especially since I'm a very creative person, I have to monitor like, Oh, I spent like you know, one hour making all these things on Instagram, like I could have used that hour, those two hours for something else. And then of course, we're not even counting into the scrolling that we do and the scrolling. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, pretty much like I, you know, I have some posts like on, on Instagram, I try to post daily or every couple of days and then like TikTok, I'll post some things, but that's pretty much it. And yeah, just, um, connecting with people or people will find me. And then like, it evolves into like, I'm reading for their friends or family. So like the circle gets like bigger and bigger, but, um, 
I will never DM you for a reading like those fake spam. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, so, yeah. so yeah, that's yeah. a great thing to mention to <laughs> listeners who aren't administering or, you know, like doing readings for people. If anybody ever DMs you and says this even actually happened to me when I made my podcast Instagram, like somebody immediately DM'd me and was like, I feel like you, your soul needs a reading or something like that. And I was like, no, thank you. Like <laughs> always say no. If somebody is asking to read you, like approaches you, because I feel like it's just so scammy, you know, they're going to mm-hmm. be like, you have a blocked this and that, and you need to come to me six more times until, you know, like it mm-hmm. just can get very spammy. So that's a great lesson to remember for everybody listening. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, you know? Yeah. No professional reader will ever DM you. And, um, yeah, just don't engage with them. Just like block and delete, you know? Um, but yeah, it's been crazy, like getting a bunch of those and it actually affects like your business too, because then people are like, Oh, is this person credible? And it's really hard to get the blue check Mark. Like I have all the credentials I've tried several times and, I don't know. They yeah. want you to be like Beyonce or something. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. They want you to have like 3 million followers and yeah, mm-hmm. that's a really tough part of it. Yeah. Let's, um, close out the interview with one last question, which is my goal to ask everybody who's on the podcast. What is something that our listeners can do to open their door up a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like if you're curious about something like just kind of explore that curiosity, like if you're interested in tarot, um, you know, go on Instagram or go on social media, see a little bit more about it, go to like a witchy esoteric spiritual store. And, um, yeah, just kind of let your curiosities guide you to the path that like wants to go. And even if it seems like hard, confusing, or it's, I'm never going to learn tarot, like we can, you know, talk ourselves out of doing anything, like just hit be open and, um, allow yourself to have fun with it as well. Cool. Love that. Um, thank you so much. I am so glad that we had you on um, learning all about the Saturn return and everything else. Um, so if anybody listening wants a reading from you or wants to follow you on Instagram, where can they find you? Yeah. So my website is thepunkpriestess.com. And then you can also find me on all social media platforms at the punk priestess and on apple and spotify my podcast the punk priestess podcast is on there as well if you want to listen to it so yeah that's how you can find me all right great thank you so much for being here today thank you for having me thanks for listening to today's episode and remember don't be afraid to open your door